Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Good morning. How y'all doing? See, there's my Texas friend right here. If I say y'all, he just kind of perks right up. Well, I do want to uh, welcome you this morning here to Life Church. My name is Tom Kyle. My beautiful wife, Randy, is back working with the kids this morning. If you get a chance, we'd love to meet you afterwards if you're a guest amongst us. And this morning, I want to, uh, we are transitioning as a, in a series that we've been doing the entire year. It's been a, a scripture out of Daniel um, verse, chapter 11, verse 32, know, grow, and go. And those who know their God will do might will do uh, grow in strength and do mighty exploits. And the first four months of the year, we talked about knowing God, that we would understand what he's really like. And the next four months, which we just finished, was growing in God, becoming strong in our knowledge of him. And these last four months, starting this morning in September through the end of the year, about going out into the world, going out and taking the kingdom into the world. So we're going to transition this morning. I just have uh, a simple message this morning, just kind of uh, setting the golf ball up on the tee that we can swing away for the next four months. It's actually going out into the world. And I, I've been um, reading in the Gospels for the last few months, mostly in, in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm just amazed at Jesus, that he was, he was perfect, he was amazing, but his mission was not to stay in his hometown. His mission was to take the kingdom out there to bring life, share life, and to take the kingdom message out into the world. And that is what we are called to do, I believe, in this season right now with Life Church, is to take life that we have, that you have, into the world. I'm so blessed this morning. I've got uh, both my sons sitting here. Uh, can I have both of them stand up? This is Stephen and Andrew. Andrew, you've seen before. Stephen and his uh, beautiful wife Amanda and our three smarter than your grandchildren are, are here this morning. Stephen's a principal of a school up in the Chicagoland area and uh, my wife and I are so proud of all four of our children and uh, it's just a good thing. So it's so just taking the gospel out and doing great things. This morning I want to talk on two or three different scriptures, touch on two different, different scriptures and I just want to help a couple of people, I think, specifically this morning about purpose. I became a Christian when I was 18, very, very messy upbringing. And at 18, I began to understand through revelation, through falling on my knees before God and saying, help me. At 18, I began to find there's purpose for life. I was just messed up young teenager, really, really messed up. And at 18, I began to find there's, a, there's something God wants me to do with my life. Something more than just go to college. Something more than just make money. Something more than have four beautiful children. Something more than having grandchildren. There's something more that God wants for me. And then at late 20s, probably 27, 28 years old, I had the privilege of operating a business in, in uh, my early 20s. But I just didn't feel fulfilled with what I was doing. There must be more in my early 20s. I'd known God for seven, eight years. And I just kept crying, Lord, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with this life that you've given me? And probably middle to late 20s, it began 
unfolding to me and I, and I was able to step into purpose. And I know there's people in this room, you may be 16, 18, 20, and maybe you have those questions and thoughts. You know, what is my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? And this morning, I, I would like to share that God does have a purpose for you. And it probably doesn't, it's not resonant just with you and what you do and acquiring money and a house and a family. But specifically, that word. For people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, you're still sitting here in this room, still wondering what is my purpose in life, feeling I'm not sure at this age still is this all there is? Is there more? Does God want something more for me? In your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, still asking that same question, is there more? And I'm here to bring good news. There is. God has purpose for you and your life. Last week, or actually it was last night, my, I was up late and I got to listen to Greg Mauer's message from last Sunday. Thank you for technology. Blessed in hearing Greg's message. And it is just talking about connecting and having relationships. And we've been created for relationships. To interact with God. Interact with people. Connection with God. Connection with people. Expressing his love and heart for people. I was reminded late last night, I couldn't sleep of a, of a word that my wife and I received in June of 1998. We were living in the beautiful country of England and we were transitioning and we were moving from the United Kingdom back to the United States. And this wonderful man named Nigel, very British, stood up on a Sunday, it was our last Sunday in England, and he said, when you're going back to the United States, he said, God wants to say something to you. And as he gave... Uh, Give us four verses out of Isaiah 54. Wilma, I don't know if you have those. It was, like I said, it was June of 1998. And, it, and it, it just jumped out and burst and exploded on the inside of me. In Isaiah 54, it says this. Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child. I thought that was a little unusual for me. I never considered myself a woman. <laughs> metaphor, metaphor. Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. And then there is direction. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. I was reminded of that word that I received in June of 1998 in a little bitty town called Letchworth in Hertfordshire, England. And we're transitioning back to the United States. And we ultimately moved to Chicago. And I just felt in the last three to four months that the word that God gave my wife and I in 1998 is for right now, right now. That it's time to stretch out the length of the stakes. If you can leave that up there for just a second. This last week, some of you will be aware that um, 
John Hooker and I, is John in the room? John Hooker? John Hooker, yes he is. Can I have John stand up, please? This is John Hooker. I'm not sure he could stand, he's probably still sore. We, we were in Alaska for the last eight days. Uh, camping out in the wilderness in the uh, National Park, Denali National Park, and then Wrangell's St. Elias. And uh, we were out there with grizzly bears. I had, a, I had, a, a, I had nothing <laughs> but fast feet. <laughs> we're, literally, we're in tents camping out in these two national parks. And there's these massive moose with antlers bigger than you can imagine. But that's okay, because I, I had John Hooker. <laughs> I won't say that he was my bodyguard, but he can run really fast. <laughs> I, was, I always thought a bodyguard was going to stand with you when trouble came, but John's just, he's faster than he looks. But the last night that we were actually camping out, we were right next to a stream. There's all this brush and bramble and trees and everything. Just perfect bear woods. Literally, I was sitting there thinking, of all the nights we've been out there, it's just that last night. And there was huge, huge imprints in the mud of moose, moose prints. And any of the rangers, which did all the time, they said that the moose are far more dangerous to humans than the grizzly bears, which was really comforting. At least the moose won't eat me after he kills me. Just trample me and leave me. So we're in this, this uh, place in Wrangell, St. Elias, and I was looking out the brush, and it was, it was getting cold at night, and John was snoring, sleeping already. And I looked out of my, my little tent. It's a North Face tent. My, one of my daughters got me a tent. And uh, I was laughing because I thought this scripture came back to my mind. I said, I'm going back to St. Louis tomorrow. Praise God, Jesus, amen. I'm going to live through the night. I'm not going to be someone's lunch, human burrito. <laughs> and I looked out in my, my, my tent, which is just a small, mine was a small one-man. John needed a two-man tent for him. I just had a small one-man tent that I fit neatly in. And the tent pegs were just a mess where we were. It was just a messy, messy, hard place right next to the river. And the tent pegs, the, the little strings that are going to stretch out, were around rocks. Because when we went to this place that John picked out, we tried to actually get our, our tent pegs into, into the soil. And this tent peg, and this tent peg, were supposed to look like this tent peg, straight. But because we were hammering our tent pegs into solid rock, granite, this one was bent, actually. It was, there was a hook here and a hook here as I was, because it was hard soil. And I was reminded of this scripture a couple of nights ago, that it's time to enlarge the place of our tent. And it's time to stretch out our tent curtains wide. And it's time to lengthen cords and it's time to strengthen our stakes. And sometimes when we're pounding things in our life into solid rock, we don't have success. And these things that were meant to hold down cords were bent like a pretzel on a bad day. And I just felt God speak to me. He said, Tom, he said, for a lot of years you've been pounding stakes into hard soil. 
and things haven't gone deep, things haven't strengthened, things haven't succeeded as they were supposed to. But now is a day when you're going to stretch your tent out in soft soil. And it's time to stretch out. And this family is going to grow. And it's going to grow with new birth. And it's going to grow with brand new people in love with Jesus. Understanding for the very first time what it feels like to be loved. What it feels like to be approved. And in this room, there are people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. This is gender sensitive. If you're under 40, just enjoy it. Just really enjoy it. I was talking to a lady on the foyer this morning. And I was saying, yeah, I, I, I lived in such a place. You know, it was 1964. And uh, I met a girl who looked just like and She said, I wasn't born in 1964. I, I was. Way before then. So if you're young, enjoy it. But I just, I've, just last night, I was up at three in the morning and I felt like I'd say, there's people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s crying out for purpose and Jesus has an answer for you because the half hasn't been written yet of what he has for you. It's time to step in to what you were called to be and who you were called to be and it's not for my benefit, it's for other people. It's time to see people all around you come into life and to give away the very life that you were given. It's time to strengthen stakes. It's time to find soft soil. And speaking of soft soil, it's finding people. Go and love people, and to love them really well. One of the things I so appreciate about Rob and Jerry, they say so many Rob and Jerry Rhodes who are sitting over here, I won't make them stand up. We've had a friendship with them seven, eight years now. And one of the things that, that Rob has so helped me with, he said, Tom, God's purpose is that we would love people really, really well. And that's not what people in the world are used to. They're used to, I want to get to know you because of the context. I, back in the day, anybody ever remember a company, should I mention the name? What was the company that had rings? And they, it was like multi-level marketing. What was it? Good, I'm glad I didn't say it. Amway. Anybody remember a company named Amway? Anybody still a distributor? Good. Talking to the right crowd. There was something about years ago, you know, this company, and it was a great company. I have no, no problem with Amway. Great company. They're still alive, right? Still functioning? See, there you go. And I'm relational, and I, I, there's two things about me. I am highly relational. I like friends. The second thing I like is food. So if I have a friend who's inviting food, I'm your friend, I'm in. Invite me over. But back in the day, we're probably going back 30 years. It happened to me like four times in the period of a month. Someone would call me up and invite me over. Hey, Tom and Randy, you guys want to come over for dinner? Absolutely. What is it? Well, we're just, what do you like? And then you go in after about an hour into the evening, things would shift. Well, actually, the reason why we had you over... And you ever feel like you're hoodwinked? Like bait and switch? And they didn't, they didn't want my empty belly. They wanted my wallet. And you, great company. And I think a lot of times the people in the world can feel like that with Christians. They find out you're a Christian and actually all they really feel like is you just want them to come to church. They just feel taken advantage of. 
But what would happen if all the people around me, all the people around you, all they actually received was blessing. All they actually received was love. All they actually received was acceptance. All they actually received was warmth. All they actually received was kindness. How would all those people around me and you feel if it wasn't actually an invitation to church? It was an invitation to meet this man that I fell in love with named Jesus who offers life, who offers hope, who offers salvation. And if they ever came to church, praise God. But all I really wanted to do was invite them to this amazing man named Jesus. That they would feel the love of heaven through me. And they would feel loved really, really, really well with no bait and switch. That if they said, no, thank you for coming to church, I'll still be their friend. I'll still love them really, really well. I think the world is crying out for people where there's no bait and switch. There's no invitation that if you don't follow up, I'll just move on to the next one. I want to read out of Joshua 1 and stepping into this next four-month season. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I know I have many favorites of passages of Scripture. But it's been something that God has been stirring in me since January. I just want to read the chapter. I'll read quick, I promise. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. That's a good word. Your territory will extend to the desert of Lebanon, out and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, this is speaking to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. There's a word that came out in our prayer meeting this morning. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law, this is the Bible, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Praise God for the word of God. Saves me from weirdness, saves me from deception, saves me from a wasted life. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people. Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here. To go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites. One tribe. The Gadites, a second tribe. And the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you, the, give you rest by giving you this, this land. Pause button real quick. The Israelites had been delivered out of Egypt 
wandered for 40 years in the desert, and they came to the Jordan River. And the promised land was on the other side. 12 tribes. But two and a half tribes decided to stay just on this side of the river. This is good for us right here. This is perfect. The other nine and a half tribes are yet to still go into their promised land on the other side of the Jordan. So Moses told the people, look, you two and a half tribes, this is good enough for you. You're not actually going to cross over the Jordan. You can stay here. That's okay. But when the other nine and a half tribes, your brothers, go into the promised land, you're going with them. So you understand? Two and a half tribes are going to actually find their land on this side, the close side of the Jordan River. Nine and a half tribes are still going to go in. So Moses reminded the people and Joshua said, when it's time to cross over, the two and a half that don't feel like they want to, you're still going to go on the other side and fight. This is where we pick it up. Your wives, this is verse 14, your wives... This is speaking to the two and a half tribes. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites, the other nine and a half tribes. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they have taken until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, then you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses' servant of the Lord gave to the east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then the people, they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we have fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So two and a half tribes are reminded. You guys have got it good. You've already inherited. This is your possession. You can stay right here if you want. You don't have to do anything else. You've got it made. But your other nine and a half tribes, all those millions of people, they still have to inherit what's to come. So I don't want you getting fat. I don't want you getting lazy. I don't want you getting complacent. Because your brothers are yet to inherit what's for them. You've got it right now. But instead what I want you to do is, I want you to go in front of them and help your brothers inherit You've already got it made. You're in. But it's not about you. It's about helping your brothers inherit the promises of God for them. In verse 14 and 15, just to reiterate, your wives, your children, and your livestock, this is the two and a half tribes, may stay in the land that Moses, you can keep the young ones back here, but all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them. Verse 15, until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, a servant of the Lord, gave you east 
of the Jordan toward the sunrise. The word of God to these people is, go help your brothers. You've got all you need. You're fat and sassy. You win. You got the ticket already. But not everybody else has. And it's not about you. It's not about your blessing. There's still people who are not blessed. And I don't want you to forget about them. Your purpose is not just to live fat in the land. Your purpose is to help other people be blessed. And there are people in this room here this morning, today, maybe in their 30s, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you're wondering, what about me? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose in life? Can I help you with the word of God? Maybe it's time that you start helping other people inherit what God has for them. Most of the people in this room, I'm guessing, are Americans. I'm not going to ask for a head count. We may have some Peruvians, some Guatemalans, I don't know. may have some Brits. We'll use small words. I've lived there twice. It's okay. I understand their language. We won. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. I mean, I mean... I didn't mean it like that. I mean, we won. That's an inclusive we. See, they come over to God's promised land. We won is what I meant to say. Not French. It's we won. Most of the people in this room are Americans. And if you're sitting in this room today, chances are you're blessed. Chances are you're very wealthy. Some of the people in this room, we've had the opportunity to travel to third world countries. And you see poverty rampant. You see, they're, they're not, they don't have, it's not like they don't have enough money for their health care. There is none. They're not looking for a better job with better benefits. They just like to have a job. They'd like to have, in their savings account for their Retirement, they like to have the cash in my wallet. That would be more than they have for their inheritance and their savings account. And for us, what we have in our wallet would make them wealthy if they just had what was in your wallet. And we're worried about, where do I want to go to lunch today? And many people, 80% of the people in the world, are, am I going to have a lunch this week? Anything. So if we're sitting in this room, we're blessed We've received an inheritance. If you know Jesus in this room, you have an inheritance and you've received it. So my prayer this morning and us going forward is that I wouldn't compare myself to other Americans and feel like I don't have much. My car is, I don't have a Mercedes. I don't have a BMW. I don't have a Lexus. I don't have a Rolls Royce. I don't have, I'm, not, I'm not really wealthy. Well, compared to most of the people in the world, we're blessed. Insanely, ridiculously wealthy. Most of us ate this morning. If you didn't, we have Pop-Tarts. You can come to our house. But the majority of people in the world have nothing. To him who has been given much, to him who has been given much, much is required. Much is required. I'm blessed. So it's not about money. It's not about retirement. It's not about cool cars and houses. What about me who the horrific, horrible 
in-sin mess that I was, Jesus came into my life and gave me hope and life and forgave me for all my sins. All the junk that I did before, by the time I was 18, I was with John and we were talking one night while we were in Alaska about all our stupidity. And we weren't, I mean, he was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I thought I was bad. It's who you travel with. But I, I was just recalling one night while we were out underneath the stars how messed up I was, the amount of sin by the age of 18 that I had gotten into. Should have been in prison. Sorry, boys. Don't tell your mom. Should have been in prison by the time I was 18. And yet God forgave me because someone walked into the room and told me about this amazing man named Jesus. After that, I'm wealthy. After that, I'm overwhelmed. After that, it's all bonus. It's all benefit. And for many people in this room, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, you're still wondering at this age, what is my purpose? Can I just tell you, maybe it's exactly out of Joshua 1. Maybe. If you take the E word out, the evangelism word out, get over the word. Maybe it's for you to help someone else inherit life. Maybe that's your purpose in life. At 40, 50, and 60 years old. And it's not another business per se. It's not a bigger house. It's not a house in Cape Cod or Bradenton, Florida or a a new golf course to be a member. Maybe, possibly, this morning you could hear the purpose in your life is to actually help someone else. And you'll find true purpose. You've got Andy and Ivan who are headed back to New Guinea. I think New Guinea. Is that where you're headed back to? Headed back to New Guinea. I wish at the age of 18, 19, 20, 21, I had the revelation and understanding that you fine young men have and giving my life away. Because my whole world, sir, was have a business and make a ton of money and be successful. And later in life, I found it has nothing to do with that success in life. It's helping people and giving my life away. And if I'm bold enough and courageous enough, even at my age, I can still step into the promise of God. I wonder if you'll stretch and reach for boldness and courage to stop worrying about a nicer car, a nicer house and step into helping other people inherit life. Tell them and love them really well and show them what, it, what happens when you get forgiven. Jesus was approached by a man. He's like, I've done all these things. I've, I've kept all the commandments. What else do I have? And Jesus began teaching him and helping him and say, sell everything you have and give it away. Then you'll inherit the kingdom. So many people, I don't, know how, I don't know how to reach other people. I don't know how do I go. What do I do? I, where would I even start? Do I need to go to Papua New Guinea? Do I need to move to India? I think this is what helping other people looks like. The word of God says this. How do you love somebody really, really well? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge. Oh, how we love knowledge in this country. It will pass away. What would happen if somebody in your neighborhood encountered you and what they found was someone who was actually encouraging? What if that person in your neighborhood has a horrible marriage, encountered you, and they found somebody who was patient? What if you bumped into somebody at work and they found somebody who's faithful, who's kind, who's dependable, whose word is gold? When I was reading the, the Gospels over the last few months, I'm amazed that the people came to him for the most part. People came to him. Why? Because they had heard something about this person named Jesus. Most of the ministry Jesus did did not happen as re recorded in the Bible where Jesus would go out and find somebody. Thousands of people came to him. Why? Because they'd heard he's different. He's not religious. He's not uptight. He's not weird. If you find Jesus, you'll find life. If you find Jesus, you'll find answers. I look at my own life and I think, how many people are seeking me out from what they've heard about my life? Because I'm faithful. I'm kind. I'm patient. I am merciful. Loving people really, really well. I think for just a possibility, if I just would change my tack in life, and stop worrying about trying to invite someone to church. And I invited them into my world. I didn't worry about Sunday morning. I had them over to my house Wednesday night for dinner. Whether it's mac and cheese or spam, Lord help you. What if I invited people into my world just like Jesus did? I don't have any recollection and no accounts of Jesus going out into the world and saying, I want to see you in synagogue Saturday. Bring your money. Not one time. Jesus simply loved people. He went out and people, thousands came to him because he had a testimony of being real, of being gracious and kind. Didn't ask about synagogue attendance. Didn't ask about how many scriptures do you know? He simply went out, and the Bible says he went and did good wherever he went. I wonder what would happen for you, for me, if that was my goal in life. I didn't invite the rest of this year and next year. I didn't invite anybody to church. This doesn't sound good. <laughs> what if I didn't invite anybody to church over the next year? But I simply invited him into my world, into my house. When I hear about a financial need, I can actually, can I meet that need? Can I help you? What if there's a person at work that just annoys you? you have you ever had someone at work that's annoyed you? Jonathan, dude, a lot, of, a lot of those people. And if you don't know anyone, you might. Just saying, it's possible. What if you actually listen to the people at work? Those annoying people who complain all the time. What if you actually listen to them and learned their kids' names 
and their wife or their husband's name? What if you actually listen to them instead of rolling your eyes? Anybody ever roll your eyes on the inside at work? And you're like, oh my gosh, get a life. You, I mean, we would never say that. But what if we actually stepped into their life and remembered that child's name, remembered that spouse's name, remembered that pain that they're having? What if I actually, we, I, my wife and I, she was involved. We have a daughter named Jody. She's 25. She is the world's best gift giver of all time. You want to be her friend. Probably 12 years prior, I just mentioned one time, I, I don't know if we're watching a TV show or something, and I said, one day, I want to be in a biplane, an open cockpit biplane. Wind whistling through my scalp. I, just before I go. <laughs> Two years ago, she said, Dad, here's, here's a present for you. And it was a 90-minute ride over Belleville. And it could have been a better choice. But it's open cockpit, and it's a biplane. We did the loop-de-loop. -loop. I didn't throw up. And as Jody remembered from years before, she had listened to me and got me my dream's desire. Just listened. I, I said, I can't even remember saying it. She said, oh, yeah, one time, Dad, you just said that's on your bucket list. You'd like to do that. Years before. My wife wrote out a list of six different gifts that Jody has bought, either her or me. I can't, I can't even remember the gifts I got. Ask my wife. She'll remember all of them. And my daughter has this weird ability, this, this gift from heaven called listening. She simply listens. And what if in your neighborhood you began listening to that lady down the street who's crying over a husband who doesn't love her? or a children who said this to her. And you actually remember that child's name and you went up two weeks later and said, um, Madam, how's Christine doing? I've been praying for Christine every single day. What's my purpose in life? Help someone else into their promised land. It's so simple, so easy. Forget about inviting them to church. Invite them into your world and step into theirs. That was the promised land. Don't sit back in your comfort, two and a half tribes. There's nine and a half, the majority, still waiting to inherit promises and, and blessing in their life. It takes boldness and it takes courage. So my encouragement to myself, my encouragement to you is just to consider stepping into other people's world. Just like Jesus. What's your purpose? What if it was just to help people for the rest of your days? To remember their name. To bless them. To take my excess instead of having a, a vacation in Florida next year. I know this is edgy. Just set aside $2,800 and I'm going to give it away in the next six months to people around me in my neighborhood. I'm going to meet needs. Or maybe that cousin somewhere else down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm going to send $1,500 because I heard they're two months behind on their house payment. You know what's funny? Is, and I'm going to close with this. I, it's funny. My wife and I, we, we love to bless people. We love to help people where we can. It's part of the DNA and the church culture that we grew up in. And we're always looking for opportunity. 
We're looking for opportunity to bless people. Where, where can we do? How can we help? But here's the weird thing with me. It's just an honest moment, not that the other ones were dishonest, but a transparent moment. There's just something that annoys me when people come up and ask me for money. It just annoys me. Is anybody else like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't. I'll be transparent. You just enjoy. But if I'm actually listening, say, how's John doing? Oh, man, his car just broke down. And he doesn't have money. They've been praying. Yeah, Raquel. How's Raquel doing? Oh, she needs a... She needs new shoes. Those have holes in them. They're sandals. And I actually listen and inquire about other people. There's a blessing in looking for people, going after people, getting involved in the world. So it's not that you can't ask me for money. I don't have very much. In fact, I'll probably be asking you for money because I've heard you have it. Sorry, just kidding. But what if we lived our life pursuing blessing, helping other people. And, and what about in your neighborhood? You just bless people. You, you, you have a neighbor lady who, this is her dream, or that's the guy's dream. He wants new golf clubs. Chaz, you can give yours away. Not that you get a new pair, new set. <laughs> but what if I just li- helped other people inherit? Father, I thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, my desire is that this family would stretch wide our curtains, that we would strengthen our stakes, that we would have more children uh, as people maybe who've never, ever, ever led someone to the Lord. I've never been introduced to a baby Christian that I've led to the Lord. Father, that in this day, I would find purpose in my life. And all my imaginations wouldn't be about Bora Bora, or an amazing cruise, or an amazing trip somewhere. But Father, that I would begin to listen to people around me. I would get vested in people's lives at school. That, that young lady that I see over my science class, and she got an F on her first paper, and she's just lost. That I would actually begin to engage with my classmates at school. I'm great at science. Lord, show me someone I can help in my science class this year. Father, that, that boy over there who's just stuck in math and he's just so embarrassed that I'd actually offer to help somebody in my school to be successful. That young child who's socially awkward in 10th grade and everybody's making fun of Susan in the lunchroom. Everybody's making fun of Bobby in the lunchroom. Lord, that I'd take my lunch and two of my friends and go over and sit next to him. Introduce myself to him. Nobody else knows them. They're the new kid. Jesus, that I would be just like you. That I would step into other people's world and help them succeed. Help them find life. Help them find the promised land. Lord, save me from self-indulgence, from being self-absorbed about the next cool thing I get to do. But Lord, that I would look and see. I want to help someone else inherit life. Big ears, Lord, big heart, big generosity. That it'd be just like the king that I love, named Jesus. Thank you for this amazing group of people. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are active amongst us, challenging us, wanting us to step into purpose, wanting us to step into fulfillment, that it be this day, Lord, this day, this season of life, to open my eyes, open my ears, that share my life. Help us, Holy Spirit. This room would be filled with us testifying what's happening with my neighbor, what's happening with my classmate, what's happening with that lady at work, that this room would be filled with testimonies of people inheriting what I've already got, what I've already received. Bless us in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Can I have everyone stand up, please? If you're able. Could you just turn around to someone and greet them and say, have a wonderful lunch. You look really hungry. Be blessed and encouraged. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.